Hey church family, Merry Christmas. I don't know where you're watching this or what time it is. Maybe it's breakfast. You're about to enjoy a cinnamon roll. Maybe it's after dinner and the kids are asleep. Or maybe you guys have all huddled around a TV or a laptop or a phone on the couch and you're enjoying it as a family. Hey, wherever you're at, whatever time it is, Merry Christmas. This is an opportunity for us, whether you're watching this alone or with others, to just take a time to reflect on Christmas, this Advent season. We've been going through an Advent season together we call Slow Christmas, the subversive pace of celebration. And so this is sort of the, the cornerstone, the, the final touch on this series, our last time together. And however you're watching this, I want to invite you to participate with me. I don't want you to just hear me talk today. I really want you to experience the truth of Jesus, the beauty of Christmas with me today. And so I want to bring you first to a quote from Psalm 34 that says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. And so together, I just want to invite you into that, to taste and see that the Lord is good and we can take refuge in Him. So would you join me in a time of preparing our hearts? I invite you to just quiet yourself wherever you're at right now. Quiet yourself, maybe close your eyes, and just take a moment to breathe. Maybe take a few deep breaths. And be reminded that right now you're in the presence of Jesus. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. You are not alone. You've never been alone. Jesus, the one who knows you, who sees you, who loves you, is here. Bring to mind a moment, even today, that you've had where you've experienced joy. Where today already have you experienced a moment of joy? Thank Him for this moment. And ask Him for more of that. Ask Jesus to reveal Himself to you in our time together. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the moments of joy. Thank you for the ways that we notice your goodness to us. And we also thank you for the ways that you've been good to us and we haven't noticed. Thank you that this day that we call Christmas is a day where we get to remember that you, Jesus, the light of the world, stepped down into darkness, stepped down into our darkness, and gave us your light. Christmas is a day, Father, that we get to remember that we needed Christmas, that we needed you to come and rescue us and to save us. And thank you that today, every gift we see is just one more little reminder of the gift of grace that you've given us. Every light, every twinkling light or candle, is a little sliver and a reminder of the true light that you've given to us in yourself. And so, Jesus, now that we approach your word together, we reflect on Psalm 119. It says, your word is a lamp unto our feet 
and a light unto our path. And so we ask you to teach us, encourage us, direct us by the power of your Holy Spirit as we reflect on these scriptures together. Amen. I want to do a little brief devotional with you. And I'll give you a little head start on this. The, the title of it is He Will. We've been reading together in our Advent series through Isaiah 9. So I want to revisit that with you, which is the prophecy of Isaiah. And then I want to read to you from Luke chapter 1 where that prophecy is fulfilled. So let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 1 says this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for a fire. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. We just looked at two chunks of scripture, the prophecy from Isaiah and then its fulfillment in Luke chapter one. You see, Isaiah prophesies to Judah that a messenger, I'm sorry, a Messiah rather, is coming, a savior. He's gonna be born 
but he won't just be a baby. One day he'll grow up to redeem and restore the people of Judah and the world, and he will be called Mighty God. He'll be called a Prince of Peace. And a fair response to that promise might have been a baby? A God baby? How is that going to help us? That doesn't seem to make any sense. And yet, the promise comes in the words of verse 7. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Then we go to Luke. Mary gets this angelic visitor and rightly asks to this promise that she's going to become pregnant even as a virgin. She asks, how is this going to happen? This doesn't make any sense. This is impossible, by the way. And the angel's answer to her is in verse 37, the word of God will never fail. Do you hear the assurance in these words? 15 times in Isaiah and 10 times in Luke, this word pops up, will, will happen. 25 times in just those two little chunks, the word will, this is the language of promise. It's not that God might do something. It's not that God could do something or should do something. It's that God will do something. It's not just we sure hope he might. No, the words on the lips of both prophetic speakers is this, will. The word of God will never fail. What will God's promises do? Never fail. Ever. The promises of the Lord will never fail. The plans of the Lord will never fail. The word of the Lord will never fail. God gets to the free throw line. He's not shooting nine of 10. And he gets to the batter's box. He's not batting 450, as good as that is. No, no, he never, never fails. Never. He's perfect in all his ways. Do you believe this, friends? Do you believe that promise that God will never fail on his promise? Because here's the beautiful thing. This doesn't matter if you believe it or not. He's not going to fail whether you believe he will or you believe he won't. His promises are not contingent on the strength of our faith. His promises are contingent on his strength and his strength alone. And his word never fails. Christmas is a day of God's promises never failing. Because here's the thing. His word didn't fail. Mary became pregnant. His word didn't fail. Jesus was born. His word didn't fail. Galilee of the Gentiles was filled with glory. His word didn't fail. He broke the oppressor's rod, the greatest oppressor the world had ever known, sin, Satan, and death. His word didn't fail. He rose again, and his kingdom will never end. Be encouraged, friends. People fail on us all the time. We fail on our own commitments to ourselves. Life fails us. Jobs fail us. Relationships fail us. Relatives fail us. Governments fail us. Friends fail us. Hey, let's be honest. Churches fail us. But he will not ever. He will never fail. Further, God's word declares in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes, which means not only will he not fail, but as Jonathan Edwards once noted, 
all the bad things in life, at one point, God will turn for good. Even the worst things, he'll turn for his purposes. All the good things can never be taken from us. And the best is yet to come. I want to say that again. You've heard me say it a lot of times if you go to Generation Church. In light of the gospel, all the bad things will be turned for good one day. All of the good things he has promised us can never be taken from us. There is no, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We will never face it. We will never be separated from his love. That can never be taken from us. And guess what? The best is yet to come because his first advent points us to his second. He came to restore, redeem, and deliver, and one day he's coming to free us from the, even the presence of sin. The word of the Lord will never fail. And I don't know where you're at today, brothers and sisters and friends, and maybe you got a neighbor or a relative with you that doesn't even attend church, doesn't even believe half of what I'm saying. I don't know where you're at, but here's why I know. When you come face to face with Jesus, you come face to face with the one who will never fail. The one who began the good work within you is faithful to bring it to completion. Christmas is proof because he came. The cross is proof that he died. The empty tomb is proof that he will come again. See, lots of things are going to fail us in our lives. But Jesus will never fail. Never. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you to search our hearts. And we ask you, where have we begun to give in to the lie that one day you are going to leave us, that one day you will fail us. Or maybe we have yet to be able to reconcile something in our life that we think that was a moment when you failed us, you weren't there when we needed you, that you, you gave up on us when, you, when we needed you. And Lord, if you're turning even all bad things to good one day, we ask you for the faith to believe, the faith to replace a lie with truth, to stand confident in the fact that you will never fail, even if we don't understand, just like Mary, we ask you for the faith to believe. I love, Lord, how Mary responded to this promise. She said, may everything you've said about me come true. And I, I love that she didn't just say, okay, I won't screw it up, or I got this. Her response is simply, may everything you say happen. And so, Jesus, today we say thank you that you came. Thank you that you died. Thank you that you rose again. And we say thank you that you will come again. Give us faith to believe that you've got us. Give us faith to believe that everything you say will happen just as you said it. Give us faith to believe that our future is not in this world of brokenness and pain and darkness and disappointment and failure, but our hope is is assured. Your first absent, advent is a promise that your second advent is coming, that you are coming again. And so we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We also pray today for those who, today is not a day of rejoicing, but is a day of mourning and grieving. And we pray for those that are refugees, sojourners, prisoners, in poverty. We pray for our neighbors and friends that don't know you, don't have hope of assurance, and we pray for all those who are wondering what will come tomorrow and what will come in eternity. We pray that every single one of them would encounter you today, Jesus, 
the word of God who never fails. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to send us into our days, into these Christmas days, as heralds of good news and hope to all around us who don't have it. Embolden us, Lord, with the love that you have for us, that we might love others in that same way. Amen. Merry Christmas, church. And my invitation to you today is like we say every time we break, go and be the church. And maybe you need to even re-watch this with somebody you know is struggling to make it through the end of today or forward it on. But whatever we do and wherever we go, we know we have Emmanuel, we have God with us who will never fail. God bless you guys. Have a great Christmas.